Welcome to the Friday press conference ahead of the 2019 Spanish Grand Prix. Joining us today from left to right, we have Mario Isola, Gunter Steiner, Mattia Binotto, Fred Vasser, and Franz Tost. Gunter, if we could start with you, please. Promising start for the Haas team here in FP1, uh, but it's been another difficult start to the season for Roman Grosjean. Are we seeing a repeat of last year or is it a different set of problems for him? Uh, I, I hope he hasn't got the same problems here like he had last year. So uh, I think a lot of people would not enjoy that. So uh, no, uh, I, I think we struggled as uh, everybody seen in Australia. We were uh, uh, performance-wise not too bad. We had the pit stop issue in the, the races afterwards. Uh, I shouldn't say it because I've got Mario beside me. We had some issues. We couldn't get the tires to work, which he will disagree heavily, by the way. I, I, I forewarn you. And here it seems to be working. But it's too early to say. It's FP1, you know. So uh, we at least have to go to, uh, through FP2 to get uh, to some conclusions. But uh, this morning was a good session. I mean, it was enjoyable again. So uh, let's hope we can repeat it uh, for the rest of the weekend and we do do don't do any damage in the race. But from Roman's point of view, are you seeing more consistency from him this year than we were at the same stage last year? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, last year, uh, he, he's very calm. Uh, he cannot do anything about it, you know, so uh, he stays very calm. He stays focused and uh, I'm, uh, I have all the confidence that uh, uh, we don't repeat or he doesn't repeat what happened last year. Now, you've already touched on tyres. You were quite outspoken about them after the race in Baku two weeks ago. Just tell us what the issues were. Mario knows better than me. He's the expert on tyres, not me, you know. <laughs> oh, I, then the, uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, we have got the issues. We cannot get them to work. Uh, uh, we cannot get the heat into them, you know, so uh, on certain kind of trucks. And, and that is our problem. And, and here, uh, uh, again, we, uh, I, I said in Baku that uh, we will be struggling beforehand. Here I was more confident, not completely, because, uh, but uh, uh, we should get them to work and we get them to work here. So we have got an issue that we just cannot get the tires to work at uh, each racetrack. So that is our issue. Okay, thank you, Gunter. Good luck this weekend. Mario, perhaps we could just get your reaction to some of the comments Gunter came out with after the race in Azerbaijan. Yeah, I believe Baku is quite a unique circuit where you have uh, um, an asphalt that is very smooth and so it's not uh, uh, going to generate energy into the tire. You have a long straight, cold weather condition, the tires are losing a lot of temperature and uh, we know from the past the characteristics of uh, the circuit. When we, last year when we developed the current product, uh, we were required to have uh, a product not without blistering. You remember that last year in some races we had blistering and to reduce the overheating. Uh, that was a clear request from the drivers. So basically our tires uh, have been developed with this in mind and uh, also the working ranges are probably a bit higher than, uh, than last year. But uh, we didn't experience any issue here in Barcelona the pre-season test uh, and it was quite cold. No, we had good weather, but it was uh, February, March, and the same in, uh, in Melbourne, uh, in Bahrain. Uh, uh, okay, I had a chat with Gunther. I know their situation, and uh, I hope they can find the solution to that. Uh, but uh, I cannot say that is a common problem to everybody. So in Baku, because of the circuit characteristics, was a bit more let's say difficult to keep the front and the, uh, and the rear tires in the right operating window. The operating windows cannot be 
narrower than last year because don't forget that we have uh, two compounds, what we call C3 and C4, that are the same compounds than last year. So at least with these two compounds, uh, they have the same operating window. And this is the analysis that I can do now. Apart from the two compounds that are the same as last year, have the new compounds become harder to work with for the teams? I don't think so because the C1 and C2 are slightly softer than last year and with the C5 that is equivalent to what we call uh, hypersoft in 2018, uh, the main issue was uh, the graining and uh, the new compound has a better mechanical stability but with the same or wider operating window, obviously we have to discover that in the next few races where we are going to use this compound. They tested the compound in Abu Dhabi, they tested the compound in Barcelona because it was a free choice of all the five compounds. And I believe that uh, the new compounds are not uh, more difficult to, to manage. Okay, and looking a little bit further ahead, you announced yesterday that Formula 2 will use 18-inch tyres in 2020. <coughs> what can you tell us about your testing programme ahead of Formula 1 making the same changes in 2021? Have you decided how that's going to work yet? Yeah, for uh, Formula 2, obviously, we have a, a very packed test programme because we have to develop the tyres in six, uh, seven months. Uh, we already agreed a test schedule with uh, uh, with the promoter and with uh, the FIA for Formula One. Uh, the intention is to, to have uh, three sessions, September, October, and November, and three teams are going to supply the mule car. They are Mercedes, McLaren, uh, and Renault, and uh, we are going to offer the opportunity to provide a mule car for 2020 again to all the teams. It's their choice if they want to do that or not. So it's the same system and the same procedure that we have used in the last few years. We offer to everybody, teams can accept or not, and then we make a plan according to the number of teams uh, that accepted. We have 25 days of testing for next year, as it was in the, in the, in the last few years. So we have a, a short development plan for uh, 2020 in the first half of the season, and then we switch on 18 inches tire for from September onwards. Okay, thank you, Mario. Friends, if we could come on to you, please. We heard from Gunther uh, an overview of Hass's start to the season. Perhaps you could just give us your thoughts after the opening four races from Toro Rosso's point of view. Well, Toro Rosso is a competitive package. We have a car which works well. We have a powerful uh, engine from Honda and uh, two drivers which are also competing quite good. We scored points in all the races apart from Baku, but I think that uh, Daniel could have finished there on the ninth stand position. Unfortunately, he was involved in the collision with uh, Ricardo, and I am quite positive that we can also be here within the first stand. <coughs> Generally speaking, I think we are in a position to come with at least with one car in qualifying three and to score points. Okay, and a word about Alex Albon as well. He was something of an unknown quantity coming into this year. Has he surprised you with how quickly he's adapted to Formula One? Yes, it was a positive surprise because, as you know, if a young, inexperienced driver is coming into Formula One, there's always a question mark. But uh, I said already during the test sessions here in Barcelona in February that uh, Alex could become the driver surprise of the year and uh, so far he has done a really a very good job
with a good technical feedback uh, from the mechanical side, from the aero side, but also regarding the tires. He understands how uh, to use the tires in the best possible way. And um, we are really very happy to have him in the team. Okay, thank you, friends. Fred, coming on to you. Uh, we saw some compliance issues with the front wing of Kimi Raikkonen's car in Baku a couple of weeks ago. How have you resolved that for this race? Have you reverted to an older spec or updated the Baku wing? Just to clarify that I think first we were out of the spec, we did the mistake and uh, perhaps that you can consider the decision was a bit harsh but it's like this that uh, we have to clean in front of order first and uh, I think that uh, the mistake was on our side and for sure that we are not coming in Barcelona with the same look. Okay, it's been, as Fred, it's been a strong start for Sauber this year, particularly on Kimi Raikkonen's side of the garage, but we saw progress from Antonio in Baku and how confident are you that he's made a breakthrough in that he can uh, progress and challenge Kimi for the rest of the season? Well, if you have a look on the, the, the first four races, I think he was into the pace and that we, we made also on his side probably too many mistakes. He had some reliability issues and uh, he got the penalty in, um, in China first, he didn't do the quality and then in, in Baku. And for sure, for Oki, it's far too much that uh, we have to, to give him a clean sheet one week and to, 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 to do a proper job. But I think he is improving that he was in front of Kimi in Baku and uh, he did a very strong quality also in Melbourne. That uh, no, I'm quite confident that he's, uh, he's very focused, motivated, and the uh, results will come and will help. And, uh okay, thanks, Fred. Good luck with that. Mathieu, thank you for waiting. Well, we're back in Barcelona, where two months ago, Sebastian in particular was singing the praises of your car. The drivability then seemed to drop away when we went racing. After FP1 today, um, can you tell us, are you back where you were in March? Uh, I think we never drop away. I think that certainly we had a strong winter testing, but I think that our main competitors were as strong as we were at the time. And on the last day of winter testing, they scored the same lap time. As a as matter of fact, I think we all mentioned that they would have been very strong as well. And I think that since then, we are both developing our car. Uh, the car are developed. Uh, so coming here, it's certainly not anymore the same car we had at the time. Where the conditions are completely different. Uh, the heat is certainly a, a, a different factor. So are you exactly on the same uh, let me say on the same page, uh, I don't think you can compare and uh, I think more important that obviously it's a relative competition so more important that we are focusing on the weekend trying to optimize the car and the package and we are doing our best. You've brought a host of upgrades to this race. Um, a lot is being made of this power unit upgrade that is a couple of races early. Could you just tell us what's gone on in Maranello to bring these updates forward. Just can you tell us a little bit about what's been going on in the factory and uh, are people working even harder than normal? Uh, obviously, when you're planning such a, let me say, a, a change on your schedule of planning, uh, you need to do it a few weeks ago. It's not something we've decided in within that week. Um, having started the season in, in Melbourne, we recognize that somehow we, we may have been late on our 
on our, let me say, a performance compared to, to competitors, and we try simply to push on all the main items where we were already planning developments, and we're simply looking for opportunities in, uh, in and, uh, anticipating some of the programs. Uh, we did it already with an aero package in Baku, which was somehow introduced earlier compared to our initial program. Uh, we did it here as well for the power unit. Uh, you simply achieve that by trying maybe some time to, to shortcut or to intensify uh, the activity. I have to say that the people back at Maranello have worked very hard. Uh, we intensified our activities and we are working still very hard because I think that's, that's what we need to do at the moment. Okay. Mattia, thank you very much. Let's open this to the floor now and as ever, Please remember to give your name and publication. The first question, please. Fratelli, keep question to all of you. Um, is the success of the Netflix series help you to have an agreement with them for the season two? Who would like to start with that? Franz, let's start. So, sorry, once more. <laughs> Has the success? No, not that I'm aware. But will you sign with them? We will see. Does, do any of you want to just give us your thoughts on the success of the next Netflix series and what you feel it's done for Formula One? Gunter, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> I'm you, still far away behind the series. What? You should talk because yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I didn't see it, but uh, <laughs> I don't know everybody tells me. But uh, I don't know how successful it is because there was no ratings, uh, as I'm told, and Netflix never gives them. So, but I think everybody, everybody was positive about it. So I guess it helps. It should help to bring people in which normally don't watch the races, which get uh, see, see this because Netflix, a lot of more people watch than watching F1, I would say. So uh, if the people watch it and then they get interested in F1, that should help us. That should help us all. And uh, uh, that would be a, it's a good thing, in my opinion. And Gunter, to follow up on Fred's question, would you be willing to help Netflix with a series two? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Mattia, will we see Ferrari involved? Uh, I think that, as Gunter said, it's certainly an interesting program. We have not participated last season as Ferrari. We are considering it at the moment. Uh, we have not taken our final decision, so it's something we will do in the next few weeks. Okay, thank you. Next question, please. Hello, Sam Collins from Race Car Engineering. Looking to the future, in 2021 to 2024, we're going to have single make brakes and wheels. And I'm a little bit interested to know how that's going to affect your teams and in, te in terms of Pirelli, how it's going to affect your company, both commercially and technically. Sam, is that to everybody? That's to everybody. Mario, let's start with you. On our side, having a standard rim, obviously, is, um, you know, that at the moment each team is designing his, uh, his own rim, uh, and that could make uh, things a bit complicated for us. Sometimes it's difficult to feed a tire, and um, heat exchange with the rim uh, is also an item we have to consider. So for sure is a standardization that could uh, help uh, uh, on our side, uh, the brakes as well. Gunter, your thoughts? 
Uh, I think standardization, first of all, I think it hasn't been decided how much we do standardization, so I think we're getting ahead, ahead of ourselves here to say that it was decided for 21. I think, I, I don't know that anybody signed an agreement that it will be standardized. A lot of parties being looked into it because the tenders went out. But it, it could go bo both ways, you know. Uh, sometimes you get some parts which just work, and, and sometimes you then get parts which uh, everybody's got the same. Some people get them to work with their car. And uh, the worst bit for me is uh, we, need, need, we need to make sure that Formula One keeps its DNA. And the DNA of Formula One, for me, it's developing at the, uh, it's the only motorsport which is still free for technology, you know. And once you start standardization, uh, it, it can be a slippery slope, in my opinion. We need to be careful not going down that slope. And then all of a sudden, we're ending up with all the same cars. And uh, uh, the, a lot of people are interested in our technology. And that is for why they're watching F1. Uh, I mean, uh, so uh, I, I don't know. First of all, we have to see what is actually happening with standardization before I make a final comment how I think about it. Matteo, what's, what's your view? Very much aligned with, with Gunther, so as first not decided yet. Yes, true, there are some tenders and discussions are ongoing. As Ferrari, we always allied that we are against the standardization principle, but we know as well that we need to, to control the, the, the costs and the expenses, so, and, and obviously there is a budget cap, so we need to, to find the right balance. Standardization makes only sense if you may save money, which has to be proved as first, but we need as well to take care of the DNA uh, of the F1, as Gunther said, and for example, if we take the rims, all the cars with exactly the same rims, I think that in terms of aesthetics is not good for F1 from the outside, uh, because you're not differentiating anymore the cars from one car to the other, maybe just the paint, uh, but it's not something we should look at. So. Uh, we are going through an entire process together with FIA tenders. I think we should look first at the result of the tender and then do a proper evaluation, but make it carefully. Fred? Uh, the F1 was able to do it on the ECU uh, 15 years ago. I think that uh, we can manage the situation on, uh, on the brakes or the rims. The only issue for me would be the timeline, time that we need to be aware quite soon and we need to have the more details quite soon about the <coughs> technical aspect but uh, uh, if we are in a rush then everything is more and more expensive and uh okay and france yeah, first of all we have to wait what the regulation at the end will say um, standardization of parts there are two reasons first of all to come down with the costs and the second also to bring uh, the performance together of the different teams and uh, I don't agree to say uh, DNA is, uh, Formula One is just to develop. We have to find a way to come down with the costs and no one takes care which brakes we have in the car or which rings we have. Yeah, the people want to see some interesting races, some overtaking maneuvers. They don't care about uh, the, the, the form of the rims or about uh, the, the brakes. They just want to see interesting races and we have to find, come down with the costs. Therefore, I am in agreement uh, with as many standard parts as possible. Okay, thank you. Next question, please. Scott Mitchell. <coughs> um, Matthias, you, you talked about the, the upgrades and the, the earlier upgrades rejigging the schedule. I just wanted to check what the sort of longer term consequences of that will be this season because obviously it's a long season. Does this, by bringing it at race five, does that lock you into probably a fourth engine at the end of the year? And, and could you introduce no. a, an additional spec at the end of the season? 
No, no, that's that's not the plan. So the early introduction doesn't mean that we cannot still use PU1 in some races, and maybe that can be an option. But certainly, we are not hoping to have four engines per season per driver plan. Thank you. Next one. and Racing Lines and RaceFans.net. Um, Mario, given all the talk about the tyres, etc., uh, obviously when you came to the season, you had some form of um, of objective list, your your target letter, etc. Are you quite comfortable that you've achieved all those in terms of compounds of degradation, etc.? And at which stage do you phase out of developing 13-inch rims and concentrate purely on uh, tyres and concentrate purely on 18-inch? Yeah, I would say, as I said before, one uh, of the target was to eliminate the blistering that we had last year and the other one was to reduce the overheating to give the opportunity to drivers to push more and I believe we are in the right direction. Last year we started the development of the new product with uh, some other ideas and uh, we want to to conclude this, uh, this phase for 2020. That's why we have decided to keep the development of uh, 13 inches tire at the, at the, in the first part of the season for next year. So the plan is uh, also to find new compounds with a wider working range, that is what they, they are asking for, um, and uh, to upgrade uh, uh, another step, the construction. Then obviously from September we will focus on 18 inches, that is a big challenge. Thank you, Mario. Next one. <coughs> the red one, please, first. Ian Parks, New York Times. Question to all 14 principals. Um, given your respective starts to the season, could you give us an idea as to whether it has been worse or better than expected and the reasons behind that and what your expectations are for the rest of the season now you have a decent idea as to where you are performance-wise? Friends, let's start with you. From Toro Rosso's side, uh, I must say that uh, we had a reasonably good start into the season. As I mentioned uh, beforehand, uh, we scored points and uh, we have a competitive uh, package. From uh, the different racetracks, I must say Australia was really a big success. Many people were there and uh, was also not so bad in, uh, in, in, in Bahrain and in Baku. From the race entertainment itself must say was not so exciting because uh, we have two cars in front which are winning race after race and uh, that's not um, I think the best for Formula 1 because it starts to become boring as far as uh, friends of mine say to me they say don't watch anymore Formula 1 because uh, always the same are winning and uh, I think this is not good. And Sauber's perspective? Uh, for Alfa Romeo Racing, it was uh, probably a good start of the season <laughs> that we score points on every single event. Uh, and it's so tight in the midfield that you can, as Franz said before, that uh, from one session to another one or from one race to another one, you can move from P4 to P10. And it's very difficult to make uh, any prediction. But I think at, at least at this stage of the, of the grid, it's uh, exciting and uh, that uh, when you arrive in Barcelona, you never know if you will be P7 or P20. That and uh, and I, think, I think that the, the fun is there and uh, everybody is pushing like hell to bring update and to push and to get results on the next one. And I think that uh, I'm quite happy with what the job done so far and, uh, and for Alfa Romeo Racing was a good one. 
Thank you. Matthew? Yeah, it's uh, a difficult answer. Certainly, we are not happy for the points we've scored so far. I think we, had, uh, we have missed a great opportunity in Bahrain, uh, where we could have done a, certainly a fantastic result compared to the one we did. I think as well in Baku, overall, we could have done a better race and certainly a better quality. So if you make the sum at the end, uh, we are missing points. We are missing points where, compared to where we believe is our potential. Uh, our objective certainly is not to be where we are in terms of, again, points and classification. So we cannot be happy on the start of the season. But I think that from the performance overall, um, it's not, not a drama uh, at all. I think we, we, we are still, we've got still a good car. Uh, the competition is very, very strong, and that I think is was was known, and it's not a surprise. But I think we are still in the battle, and uh, we we come to each single race with certainly the the willing of trying to to, to do well, and uh, we can do it. Thank you, Gunther. I, I think we clearly underperformed from Australia onwards because of our uh, issues, which we cannot get uh, a grip of, and we need to to do a better job going forward on that one. But uh, I think, as Fred said, the, the competition in midfield is very tight, and which makes it interesting for Formula One. But I think, uh, if you ask me, we should have more points, but we don't. But the good thing is, uh, it's very close together. Nobody in the midfield went away with 30 or 40 points, so you can make up a lot in one race. So uh, as long as we don't keep on doing what we did up to now, we should be okay. But uh, uh, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm happy on one side. The car is very competitive. Uh, but we, don't, we, uh, we didn't get the maximum out of it, so uh, we just need to do a better job as a team all together. Okay, thank you, gentlemen. Next question, please. Alan Boulder and Reuters. Uh, Mathieu, you mentioned earlier about the Netflix, um, another area that Ferrari have not been involved in, um, and I'm sure it's well down your list of priorities, but is eSports. I just wondered if you had made a decision whether you were going to be competing <coughs> this year, and what are the pros and cons for a team like Ferrari of getting involved? Um, I think that eSport, as for Netflix, both of them are certainly great programs. Uh, eSport is increasing in terms of interest. Um, and certainly as Ferrari, we are looking seriously to it. Uh, we have not yet fully committed uh, to the program, but it's something our discussions are ongoing and we'll make very soon our own decision. Next one. Joe Van Burek, Racing News 365. Question to all five gentlemen. Um, it seems very likely a year from now we'll be racing in Zandvoort for Dutch Grand Prix. What are your personal experiences with that track and what do you expect of that event? Mario, let's go. <laughs> I don't have a lot of experience <laughs> on, in Zandvoort. We, we go there <coughs> with, uh, with the GT racing, uh, but to be honest, I don't know the circuit very well. Uh, I've been once in Zandvoort with DTM a long time ago, and uh, I think it's a great place to go racing. It's a racetrack near cities. I mean, for sure there will be a lot of uh, Dutch fans there. And uh, I think it's always exciting to go to new places. I know Zandvoort is not new, but it's, it's new again for Formula One. So I think it's exciting because uh, we reach out to more people, which is sometimes in areas where they cannot go to other races. And it's interesting, new, uh, new things to learn, new things to see. And uh, I actually look forward to it. So me as well, never been in Zandvoort, so it will be the very first time. Quite interested and exciting to be there. I think it's good to have another race in Europe and Netherlands, uh, as uh, Gunther said, a lot of Dutch fans. So I'm pretty sure it will be a good race. Um, so looking ahead and looking forward. 
Yeah, I went a couple of times to Zandvoort for the F3 and DTM, and it was always a, a great and exciting event. It's uh, with a lot of fans, and uh, I think it's a, a good place. We did a lot of races in Zandvoort in Formula Ford, Formula 3, uh, fit in uh, very positive um, in mind, and I must say that uh, I like it there. It's close to the sea, it's close to Amsterdam, everything a fantastic infrastructure, interesting track, and uh, I expect that m many, many spectators will come there and it will become a very exciting race for Formula One. Therefore, I hope that we go there. Thank you. Next one. Christian Wiener, motorsportmagazin.com. First part of the question for you, Mario. Um, can you talk us through the process, how you choose the three teams for the 80-inch tire test this year, <coughs> and how many teams offered the possibility? And for the team principles, um, what are your feelings about that, that you were probably not chosen or you didn't offer um, your cars? Do you think this could be a disadvantage, especially from uh, Mattia, um, your main competitor, Mercedes, is delivering a car? Could this be a disadvantage for you? Mario, let's okay, the, the process is uh, the one I described before. We offer the opportunity to test to all the teams, and three teams uh, uh, replied in a positive way. And obviously, everybody knows that uh, the development is not just in these three sessions in 2019. So, as I said, all the teams uh, uh, can uh, decide to participate in 2020. The three teams that replied uh, positively uh, have been uh, chosen, and uh, we are planning three sessions, so it's quite easy to, to give one session each. Mathieu, your thoughts? Yeah, um, obviously we have been offered. It has been our own choice not to participate, being short on time and resources for the program. So as Ferrari, we decided simply not to take part of this test in, uh, in 19, but we are preparing ourselves to do it obviously in 2020. I'm pretty sure that we will have the opportunity to, to do it. Will that be a disadvantage? Uh, certainly, if you cannot do everything and you need to, to make your own priority at some stage, and that has been, again, our own choice, but there is still a process where put in place where Pirelli anyway are sharing the data with all the teams of the output and the results of the mule care testing. So we are certainly counting on that one. Uh, for at least the very first test. Yeah. Do any of the other three team principals have anything to add about the selection process? Do you feel you're going to be at a disadvantage? <coughs> Everybody could decide. Uh, we from Toro Rosso uh, cannot afford to do this test because uh, we simply don't have uh, the manpower and also not the financial resources. And uh, therefore, the three team decided, teams decided to do it, and uh, that's fair. And Fred, Alfa Romeo? If Mattia is short in terms of resources to do the test, as you can imagine that for us it's not easy. Yeah. We are working hard to figure out the 19 tiles, so we have no time <laughs> for the 21 tiles. <laughs> okay, next question, please. Sergio Rodriguez from Formula Rapida, a question for the all team principals. Uh, yesterday we see that we saw that uh, Pirelli will will use F2 as a way to develop the 18-inch uh, tires. Do you think uh, F2 can be used as a as a development platform for uh, the new regulations coming on 2021? Not only that, uh, in the in the future as well. Do you think uh, F2 can be used uh, as a platform test? Thank you. 
France? Of course, uh, first tests uh, with F2 make sense. Uh, Pirelli can uh, get a lot of information, data about it, and in parallel to this, they anyway test with uh, the three Formula One teams. And uh, I think uh, that uh, the way how they do it is uh, the right one. Yeah, they will get a, a live experience with the Formula 2. I think it's also good for the young drivers in F2 to be used to drive with the 18-inch the tyres. And uh, then I think each team will try to build up a collaboration with uh, GP2 teams and um, to have a look. And the question has been asked to the four team, team principals, but probably uh, Pirelli is the best, the best person to reply. Is that useful or not as a platform? The cars are quite different, the level of performance is certainly quite different, the level of downforce and loads on the tires are different, but that's some, some things that obviously Pirelli is aware of, uh, but at least it's a good starting point. Huh? They, they can do some experience uh, on a different platform, different formula, and whatever they can do there will be to, to their help for, for the Formula One. But I'm pretty sure and they are pretty aware that on DF1 the exercise will be much, much more difficult. I think there are no negatives uh, to test them in, in F2, but uh, the technicalities, I leave that one to Margaret to explain, because as Matthias said, the loads and uh, the forces are, uh, I think they are different, unless Mario disagrees with me. No, no, I never, dis I never disagree with you. Um, he's right. The, the, the forces, and uh, especially after 2017, when Formula One decided to move on the wider size, and the cars are um, faster and faster. Um, it's uh, a good opportunity to get some experience from our side, but we cannot compare the Formula 2 tire with the Formula 1 tire. We will develop the Formula 1 tire with the mule cars, with a performance that is with representative performances, and uh, otherwise we make uh, a mistake for sure. Uh, we have to develop uh, a bespoke tire for Formula 1, but uh, the fact that we are anticipating that uh, with Formula 2 is helpful because uh, we can have uh, some experience on single-seater on 18 inches. Don't, don't forget that we are supplying a lot of other championships with uh, 18 inches tires like uh, GT and uh, touring cars and so on. But uh, the the, the, the stress and the energy that is going into the tire on a Formula One car is not comparable. Okay, thank you. I think we've got time for one more. Dieter Rankin, Racing Lines and Racing.net to Mattia. Um, Mattia, the way that I understand it, the veto that Ferrari has is a contractual right, not a lifetime right. How important is it to, uh, to Ferrari to retain this veto right after 2020, in other words, from 2021 onwards? Is it a sticking point in your negotiations, or are you happy to, to forfeit it? Oh, certainly the veto right is something important for Ferrari, but I believe it's something important for F1 overall as well because somehow it's not only protecting Ferrari, but it's protecting all the teams, maybe against some decisions that could be against the spirit or the interest of uh, the teams themselves. Um, something that uh, we are starting discussing with both FIA and uh, F1, and the things that we are uh, uh, doing well in that respect, and hopefully we can keep the same rights. Hopefully you can. Yes. Okay. Thanks, Matteo. We, we can. Yeah. I think we do have time for one more question. 
Scott Mitchell from Autosport. Fred, just wanted to, to clarify what you said um, at the beginning about the, the front wing here after what happened in Baku. Um, so is it correct to just say you haven't had to change the specification, it's just you've had to just replace it with one of the other front wings that you had? No, no, we changed the, the hook and the fixation. Okay, thank you, gentlemen. Good luck for the rest of this weekend. And a full transcript of this press conference will be available shortly at FIA.com.